so if anybody looked at what the title for today's message is, uh, it's not at all like it was written. So if you kind of look at that and say, what? Um, it's simply this, having an eternal perspective living in the supernatural. I know nowadays they say, you know, make your title really short, but if you ever read Jonathan Edwards' writings, you know that he was the champion of paragraph-long titles. I want to talk to you about the supernatural, but I also want to talk to you this morning about having an eternal perspective. It was last week when I heard that our Wednesday night classes were going to be studying John Bevere's book on have, uh, uh, Driven by the Eternal, that I, I about fell out of my seat. I, I got up the notes on my iPhone really quick, and I showed it to my wife, and I said, look at this. And I had all of the notes last week of what I wanted to speak on this week, and it had everything to do with the eternal. To that point, I had no idea that Mike was even going to bring that up. And of course, my wife, she looks at me, and she goes, and you still get excited about that, don't you? I said, yeah, I do. There's one thing that I've never grown tired of, and that's seeing the shadow of his hand fall across my path. Wherever I go, whatever I do, I want to see the shadow of God's hand just over my path during the day. And sometimes I have to step aside and just say, oh God, you're awesome, and let him, let him stir me up, you know. And then there are other times when I'm just busy with work and he does that and it's just awesome. When we became born again, we were made brand new. The eyesight that we used to have is no longer the eyesight that we now have. The things which we see and did see with our with, with the old eyesight, you know, the man that's passed away, 2 Corinthians 5.17, when that is passed away, all things became new. And with the all things that became new was our eyesight. April 5th, 1981, my wife and I gave our lives to Jesus the same time, the same moment, the same altar, the same church. I was not ready for the Second Corinthians five seventeen thing, I you know I thought I had it all figured out. I just wanted to, I just wanted to make sure my eternal address was heaven and not hell. I was racked with conviction. I'd seen Jesus when I was four years old, and I knew two things and two things only. Number one is that I was a sinner, and number two, I needed a savior. Four years old. I've been driven by the eternal my entire life. To my, to my own conviction of sin that ate at me all the way through my drug addiction, all through my alcoholism until April 5th, 1981. Jesus set me free. And anyone who the Son sets free is what? Ooh, indeed. Indeed. Big amen on that. There's... There was a conversation I was having with a brother in the Lord this week, and, and he was referring to someone, and he referred to them as a Christian, 
but he didn't know if they were born again. I looked at him, I said, is there another kind? Are we missing something here? Oh, it's like all of a sudden comes the prophet, you know, it's like, don't you know? Galatians 2.20, if you could put that up on the screen, I want to open with this this morning. Galatians 2.20 is given to us. It's very clear. I have been crucified with Christ. You, me, we have been crucified with Him. That's why when we see Him on the cross, we, we sometimes we, we are overcome with emotion because we know what it is to be crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. Father, I thank You for Your, your Holy Spirit anointing. God, I thank You for mantles. I thank You for gifts. I thank You for impartation. I thank You for the supernatural, dreams, visions, angelic encounters, all of the things in the New Testament that belong to us today. I thank You for all of it. And I pray, Lord, if there's just some little thing I can do to stir somebody up this morning... I will account that my job has been done this morning, Lord, because of you and for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. There's some lingo that has changed in the body of Christ over the last 35 years, 36 years, 37 years. You no longer hear about someone saying, I'm dead in Christ. Or that was the old man. You know, now, now those that are of the 50 plus are getting close to that, you know what I'm talking about. If you were alive in the kingdom back in the 80s, you knew that kind of lingo. They don't use that anymore. They don't use sin anymore. They don't, they don't preach that there ought to be conviction for sin because there, there is a Savior and because there is forgiveness. People would rather live with spontaneous and and forgiveness given with a with a little a little pen mark, you know, instead of a big swath of the blood of the Savior and be washed clean. You and I have been washed clean. Jesus is coming back, but he's coming back for a church without spot and without wrinkle. And I want to say something that's going to stir somebody's theology, but I really hope you get my point. There's nowhere in the Bible that says that Jesus is coming for the individual. He says, I'm coming for a church. Because he gave his life for the church. For the body of Christ. Oh, I'm going just like you're going. Now, don't get your feathers all ruffled up. But hear my point. Jesus is in love with his body. His bride. And he's coming back for her. This is a day and age where we no longer have time to mess around. Ooh, Man, to watch the news, it disturbs me. I ache on the inside. Sometimes I look at my wife and I say, Jesus, come quickly. Come quickly. Lest the, lest the Son of God come back and not find faith on the earth. If that weren't a possibility, he wouldn't have said it. People, it's time to be crucified in Christ and then be risen with Him. We have a whole group of people out there nowadays that call themselves Christians, but when it comes down to it, they just kind of hope they've done enough good things that 
it will tip the scales in their favor enough that they'll go to heaven. Ugh. But they haven't been born again. In fact, when they die, the preacher's got to lie at their funeral. <laughs> God forbid. There's only two kinds. This is what I heard a long time ago. I, I, love, my, I love my Nazarene preacher friend, Brother King. He says there's only two kinds of people in this world, the saints and the ain'ts. The saints and the ain'ts. Those that are saved and those who are not. Now, just to press the point a little bit further, I no longer make choices between good and bad. I no longer make choices between wrong or right. That's completely out of my supernatural, eternal mindset. My choices are good, better, and best. That was all settled at the cross. Why would a Christian who's had everything settled at the cross be be 10 years into living in the kingdom of God and still making choices between what is wrong and what is right. Something is wrong there. You hear me? And yet we see this. We had this, we had this little, little phrase back in the day, back in, back in our earlier days. And it, was, it goes something like this, get grounded in the word. And we have a whole group of Christians nowadays that have no idea what it is to be grounded in the Word. So when the winds start blowing, they're like a tumbleweed. They bounce from church to church, or they bounce from here to there, and they bounce from sin back into righteousness, and sin back into righteousness, and they want to... What a mess. What a mess. We've been crucified with Christ one time. And now Christ lives in us. If we can't get that squared away, we will never see the supernatural taking place and we will not have an eternal perspective. It won't happen. Why? Because it's constricted by an ungodly lifestyle and ungodly choices. I can remember back to my days when I was in the world. My goodness, I just graduated from high school. God was moving powerfully in the 70s. We called that the Jesus People Movement. How many of you know what that is? You remember what the Jesus People Movement was? Yeah, the hippies were getting saved. And there were hippies all around me getting saved. And I knew what it was to be, to be saved. But I did not live it. And so I lived in conviction my whole experience until 1981. And oh my goodness, I heard, I heard a guy who was supposed to be a preacher and he swore. If I heard a Christian swear, I'd look at him and say, I thought you were a Christian. I worked with a young man who, we worked in a tree service, climbing trees, pruning trees, swinging from ropes, branch to branch like Tarzan, all that kind of stuff that really does exist. We didn't have the fancy lift trucks. You know, we worked hard that summer. And this, he looked at me, he says, I'm a born-again Christian. Well, you know, before that, we had, we had smoked pot together, we had drank beer together, we had done kegs together, and we had been to, to, to rock and roll places together. And, and uh, I re still remember his name. And he looked at me, he says, I'm a born-again Christian. 
I said, really? Something ate away on the inside of me. I'm thinking that's what I should be. And so I was cool around him, you know. I didn't want to take the Lord's name in vain. I didn't want to cuss around him. And all of a sudden, he did. And I looked at him, and I said, I thought you were born again. And all of a sudden, he changed. And he goes, yeah. And he felt really bad about it. Now, there's some things that we need to get rid of and strengthen, but I'm, I'm of the Isaiah chapter 6 variety. It says, Lord, take that coal and touch it to my unclean lips. Cauterize my lips that I would never again use the world's vulgar language in Jesus' name. God, for your glory, I do not want to misrepresent you among the unsaved. And why is it that we don't see the unsaved getting saved is perhaps the fact that we have misrepresented the Lord to them and they don't want anything to do with it. Who was it? He's, it was, uh, who was it? Uh, oh, if I can only get this right. It was uh, DC Talk, Jesus Freak. He said the, lead, the leading cause of atheism are Christians. Think about that for a minute. I, you know, we could... We could just let that sink in for a moment. But he went on to say, he said, those, those that give him praise, you know, and then, and then go out and then betray him, betray the Lord with their actions. You can, if you know TC Talk, I met them in a bathroom one time. <laughs> Pretty cool guys. You probably remember that one better than I do. You remember what, what saying out? The leading cause of atheism is Christians. That shocked me. May I never represent the Lord. I am crucified with Christ. That is my number one identity. My number one identity is I'm crucified in Christ. Crucified. Dead. In Christ. When temptations come, I'm dead. That man died. 2 Corinthians 5.17 And then it's, it's press on. God, I want your eyesight. I want, I want your perspective. And God, I want to live in the supernatural. I do not want to constrict the promises that I see in Your Word that are meant for me, for Your glory. God, help us. Help us live for Him. But we can't live for Him unless we're dead to Him. Dead in Christ and then risen. We have to have the one established so we can go on in the other. And we can't go on in that other because we still have not come to the point of being nailed to the cross. God help us. I love the supernatural life. Do you? You like signs and wonders? Signs and wonders do a couple things. First of all, it's a sign that makes you wonder. And just because a sign and wonder takes place in front of your very eyes, it doesn't mean that you won't question it. Because you will, because it makes you wonder. It doesn't bother God that you might stand back and say, wow, was that really? No, come on, I've got to. I'm one of those guys, I love to confirm things. I love to confirm, and my problem has been I like to confirm the prophetic word and sometimes push a little hard to make it work but, uh, for my own life. But signs and wonders are a part of the supernatural I don't know about you, but the supernatural life that we are called to live in, the realm that, of the kingdom of God is supernatural as it stands. We enter into it. 
the first breath of being born again, a born again babe in Christ, the first breath we breathe is the air of heaven, which is supernatural. Whoo! I want to live in that. <laughs> I want to be like Paul. I'm a fool for Christ. I don't care what people think. Oh, he's unstable. (laughs) You think I'm bad now? I've already been helped. (laughs) Come walk with me a little while and we'll see what happens when the wind blows, folks. I've got a shovel in my hand and you know what it's for? It's for digging deep. And I never let it go. To God be the glory for persistence, for discipline, and hard work. I was a quitter when I was a little kid. Jesus taught me not to do that. Because that's what walking with Him is all about, is persistence and discipline. Yeah. Discipline. That's the habit of obedience. <laughs> Isn't that a great habit? Yeah. Supernatural living begins, number one, having an eternal perspective, being dead in Christ. Oh, but there's another one I wanted to share with you. Well, I still have a few moments here this morning. 2 Corinthians 4.18. I like this one. 2 Corinthians 4.18. Herman and Janine said they had to leave early, so everybody say goodbye to them. That's okay. Didn't like the word, huh? Did I step on your toes? <laughs> I love you guys. I love you guys. Just, I'll get you back. <laughs> uh, I love the body of Christ. <laughs> so we fix our eyes. Not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is Temporary. But what is unseen is eternal. So let me ask you this. Which is real? Which is real? That which lasts forever or that which is only temporary? It's it's eternal things, isn't it? Yeah. This chair right here. In the material world, it is very real. But in the spiritual world, it does not mean anything. Order your life for things that mean something eternally because you'll receive an eternal reward when you go to heaven. I remember the day that I was with Scott over here, my cousin. Um, we were putting your gutters up that day and on your house. Remember that? You remember how we did that one in the back? I thought I was going to see eternity that day, brother. I'm telling you. You would not you would not believe how we how we put that last nail in that in that in that uh, eavesdrop that gutter on the back side of his house, man. It's a drop off. And he says, I got this bucket that goes all the way up and we'll pile this crate on it, pile this on it, and we'll get you up there and this tractor's moving and wobbling. And I'm up there and I'm going, I think I can reach out there and get it. During that day we had a conversation and I told him it was in his pickup truck and I even remember where we were at. We were going down a road in his pickup truck and I said, Scott, when I get to heaven, 
I'm going to spend 10,000 years with Jesus all by myself. All by myself. Does that disturb you? Does that bother you? That's because you're not seeing with eyes of eternal significance. The truth is, I can spend 10,000 years with Jesus, my Savior, just hugging him, loving him, asking him questions and saying, Lord, what was this all about when you did this? And, and Lord, what was going on behind the scenes? And all of those questions. And then when I get done, you can. 10,000 years. And you, and you, and you. 10,000 years. And then when we all get done, everybody that's ever lived on this planet that belonged to the kingdom of God in the body of Christ, everyone that is in heaven can turn around and do it again and again and again. You want to know why? It's because that's what forever means. There, we, we seem to think in beginning and end, beginning and end, and we confine things down to a time frame of our own existence. And the eternal perspective broadens that, in fact, blows it away. There, now you feel a little bit better with that? You're thinking, man, he's preaching some weird theology here. Good. I've seen some of it going around these days, and none of it lines up with the Bible. Line it up. Get in alignment with it. Amen? That's a good way to live. Signs and wonders. I was asking the Lord, Lord, can I share one? I said, which one? Which one? Which one? <sighs> Signs and wonders are awesome. I was working with probate court for six years, and one of the tasks that, you know, that was given to me in Diane Dennis, oh, she was something else. When, <laughs> when you're working for her, you know, she says, you're not working for me. You are, a, you are an independent contractor with probate. And I said, okay, whatever, but you're still my boss. She says, I've got a task for you. Okay, what do you got? She says, I want you to take our, take our recorder, and I want you to take all of these VHS. You know what VHS is, don't you? Okay, yeah, VHS, and I want you to put these VHS series on CD. I said, how do you work this thing? I, I can't even get the clock to stop blinking on those things, you know? And she says, you'll figure it out. So I went home, and you know, I, I like things organized when I'm doing stuff like that because, first of all, it makes me feel secure, and I don't waste my time looking for things. I think the most unredeemed, wasted time that we can have in our lifetime is looking for something. <laughs> just, I know, seek and you shall find, but I don't always find. And it's just wasted time. But anyways, I, was, I had on, on a table in the living room and a TV set, and, I, and I'm playing the VHS, and I've got a, and I've got a, a CD cooking in the, on the other side of that machine, and, and, it's, and so when I get done, I'd take this red Sharpie pen. You know what a Sharpie pen is? And, and I'd write on the Sharpie pen which, which VHS just went on that CD. Okay, this CD is like series number two, you know, and, and that's what I did with that little Sharpie pen. And I would put this in the case, put it away, get it off the table. I had everything neatly, neatly, neatly done. And when I... When I was just finishing up my last recording session, I was going to go out on another task for the court, and I put everything up, and I said, I'm going to go have lunch. And so I'm looking around, and I'm going, okay, now wait a minute. Where did that Sharpie go? 
Now you're really going to think I'm unstable. I'm looking all over the place. I'm, I'm looking in the cracks of the couch. I'm looking underneath the couch, and I'm thinking, how in the world? I don't know. I've got to exhaust all possibilities, right? It's, Lord, where is this? And I'm all by myself in the house, and, I'm, and everything is neatly, neatly done on that table. Everything is right where it belongs except that Sharpie pen. And I'm going, I'm going to be late. I need to go eat lunch. I said, forget it. It's just a Sharpie. But it's just gnawing at me. There's a reason why it was gnawing at me. Any other time I'd say, ha, where's the other one? I'll use that. Big deal. It was gnawing at me for a reason. It's like the Lord wanted my attention. And so I walked into the kitchen, and, and I make myself a bowl of soup, and I'm, and I'm thinking I'm just going to you know, pick up all this stuff, and I'm going to eat, and I'm just going to be on my way. And I come in, and there's that Sharpie right there in front of me on the table. And the word of the Lord came to me and said, Rip, I want you to know that I'm able to take that which has been taken from you and put it back where it belongs. And there it was right in front of me. I said, God, you're awesome. And then I start looking around for the angel (laughs) that took the sharpie. I told you, I'm one of those guys that I'm I'm always looking, you know. It's like, (laughs) have you seen your angel yet? Have you seen him? You know he's there. I have a road angel. I have a road angel. If, if any of you know, I, I like to ride bicycle a little bit. I've been in faraway places on my bike, just on my two little rubber wheels holding so much air, you know, and I've been way out in the middle of nowhere, and I've seen my road angel. And now I look over the congregation that just kind of hit me this morning, and, and Jimmy looks just like you. I mean, if anyone in here would resemble him, he kind of looks like you. And, and, I, and I've seen him in various places. I've seen him in Rose City at a Dairy Queen before a backpacking adventure. I've seen him at the gas station in Mancelona before I turned around and tried to head home on a 95-degree day. I've seen him. Why do I see him? I want to share with you next week that there are some things that you can do to stir up the level of supernatural things that happen around you. You know they're happening all the time. The thing is we just don't see them. And the reason why is because we do not have the eyes of faith. We fix our eyes on what is seen instead of what is unseen. Having been born again into this kingdom that has a king, he wants to communicate with us. He wants to see what's going on. Read the book of Hebrews. Did you know the book of Hebrews is one of the most, I say the most, supernatural book in the whole Bible? It is filled with the supernatural. Read the book of Hebrews, and in it, in the first chapter, at the very end, it says, angels are given to us that we may be ministered to by them and that we have charge over them. Ooh, let that sink in. Do you know that's the Bible? Oh, we don't preach that stuff anymore, brother. That's just weird stuff. People walk out when you start preaching that stuff. Okay, angels don't exist. You can't convince me of that. If they're there, Lord, I want to see them. Lord, I have a right to see them. I have a right to see him. You know, 
some people see them, they're huge, you know, they're big and soldier-like, and not me, they just look like normal people, so it always, God, why do they have to look like normal people? But something happens after they go, and you know you've been in contact with one. This is supernatural living. There are some things that you can do to stir up the supernatural. There's some things that you can do, and number one is learning what is real and what is not. Right here, point number two, fix your eyes on the unseen. Fix your eyes on the unseen. And what is our eyesight today as Christians, as believers, as born-again, brand-new Christians, people existing in a kingdom that has a king? You know what our eyesight is? Faith. Where we walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by faith and not by sight. So to be able to see the unseen, we need to increase our faith. If we can increase our faith, we can increase what is not seen and we can see it. Now, you understand that? Was that, was that easy to grab a hold of? Simple doesn't mean easy, does it? That should come simple to us, but it's not really that easy. There's some things that have to be developed over the course of time. I can look back over my life just like you can look back over yours and say, you know what, I, I've seen some things and I, I, I just see differently now than I used to. I thank God for that. There's some things that you can develop in your life. Living in the supernatural can be developed. You know, First of all, you've got to have the proper eyesight and, it, and it's, it's increased and developed. You can increase it. You, it's developed through experience. It's developed through the word, revelation. Okay? And it's also, it's also developed by an increase in your appetite for it. If you, if you are happy with living in this world as a believer, something's wrong. You shouldn't be all that happy. Now, joy, yes. Happy, yes. There's certain things that Whew, there's things that make me happy, but in Christ, this is not my home. I walk in a state of homesickness. I want to see Jesus. From the very first day, from the very first day of being saved, I knew that I'd been living an eternal life ever since I breathed my first in the doctor if he had to slap me or slap my mom I don't know which but when I was born that's when eternity started for me 10,000 years from now folks you're going to be somewhere I tell the unsaved that it blows them away I said 10,000 years 10,000 years from now you're going to be somewhere did you know that you your spirit not your body you're going to be crumbled away into nothing dust to dust we're going to be somewhere we are eternal beings. Increase your appetite for the supernatural and watch, watch the increase of miracles happen in your life. Watch it. I've learned this, that you know when, when I buy a certain vehicle, I remember that, that there was a, a time when we'd, you know, you, you've experienced this, you buy a certain vehicle and then all of a sudden you didn't realize how many of them on the road there were. It's like, wow, there goes another one. Gee, I didn't think there were so many of these things around. Everybody's got one of these things almost kind of. <laughs> we, we bought a Ford Pinto and, and a long time ago, and it's like, never mind. <laughs> I 
We've always had a Jeep until now. We've always had a Jeep of some sort, and it's always the Jeep wave, you know. It's like because Jeepers know each other. They just wave, you know, vet people. They wave. Harley Davidson, they wave, you know. It's... I want to see more miracles. Why? Because we live in a world where people need to be set free. Miracles are for setting people free. Miracles are for, for breaking bondages. Miracles, miracles are for, for lifting loads off of people. Yeah, I want to see that. He is the glory and the lifter of my head. I want to see more of this. Haven't seen enough yet. Every good sermon's got three points. I don't know if this is good, but it's got three points. If you've got eternal eyesight, you know that when you go through a hard time, you know this, that it's only temporary. Right? Let's look at this one. We're looking at 2 Corinthians 4.17. So back it up one. Ha! For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. No matter what happens to us here, we have heaven in front of us. Amen? Oh, I love it. No matter what happens here, no matter how many feet of snow will fall this week, we have heaven in front of us. The dog gets sick. We have heaven in front of us. The refrigerator quit. No, that, we can just set it outside right now. Uh, the washer quits. We have heaven in front of us. I used to drive, I used to drive a, a shuttle van for a, a staffing agency, temp agency, down in Pontiac when I was a preacher down there. Um, I, drove a, I drove for Centec, and I loved it. It was so cool. It was probably one of the funnest jobs I've ever had, but never really saw the danger that it was. Some people look at me and say, you know, are you sure you want to? drive those people and I was driving people that would come in off of out of Jackson prison and and they would go across the street to the Pontiac rescue mission get a bed then they'd come over to Centec across the street and and they would get a job so they would have a bed and they'd have a job they'd have their prison ID and they'd come in throw their prison ID down we'd give them a job in a factory somewhere and since they didn't have a car of course I was their car you know I'm driving a big van you know, 20-passenger van. And I had all kinds of people that were in recovery, living in halfway homes, living at the Pontiac Rescue Mission. And they all had jobs, and I was taking them to a job one day. It was in the afternoon. They were going to work the night shift. They were going to get out at 10. They are working 2 o'clock to 10. And I'm, I'm scooting, across, scooting across Pontiac, going to take them to their, to their place of work, and, and all of them were griping and moaning and griping and moaning and griping and moaning. I think we were having a gripe session up in there, and I was just about ready to put my foot down, and I, I looked up in the mirror, and I said, Hey! <laughs> I don't care what happens today, what happened yesterday. I've got heaven in front of me. And all of a sudden, church started happening in that van. The back seat, there were some sisters back there, and man, all of a sudden they're going... Yeah! Amen! Glory to God! Yeah! What he's saying is true. 
Change the atmosphere. Change the atmosphere. You know, you and I are able to do that. You know, that's the difference that God has put us on this planet for, is to change the atmosphere from an atmosphere of griping and moaning and groaning and fretting. When I do that at work, my guys turn around and look at me and say, are you okay? And they laugh because they know I'm, I'm, hitting, a, I'm hitting a rough spot on a certain car that I'm working on. You know, It's, it's pretty funny. But it gets serious. When you step into a room, when you step into a shop, when you step into a school, when you step out on the street, wherever you go, you bring the atmosphere of the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. That's living in the supernatural. That's living in the eternal because you've got eyes that go way up and over top of everything that is yuck down here on this earth. You and I are called to live above that. Above it. Fly above it. And we have a view. We have God's eyes. We have the giftings of the Lord. Words of knowledge. We have the words of wisdom. We have revelation that comes to us. And God's pouring stuff into us. It's there for a reason. It's because someone around you in that day, in that moment, needs to hear what the Lord is tickling you with. Open your mouth. Say it. Let him sort it out, okay? There is a prophetic word in you for someone out there because God wants to speak to them. And you are the one that he has put there. Don't be surprised when that happens. (laughs) Be more surprised if you don't speak it. And one of the things I wanted to share on the reluctance thing a couple weeks back is I'm going to... I, I just want to end with this one this morning, but I won't go on forever, but um, you know I'd like to, but um, I was a wrestling coach, an assistant for four years. I enjoyed that very much. And I was in the stands one day, and I was watching a Traverse City team. And, and they were they were all you know how when teams get done they they walk in single file by each other and they give them a high five or you know or, or and they they grin at each other if one beat the other on the mats pretty bad the other will grin at them and say hey man that was pretty cool you know wrestlers have a way of doing that it's the most honorable sport there is and uh, and I was watching up in the stands and the Lord says that one right there he's going to be a pastor. I sat up there going, oh, God. He says, Rip, watch him. He's going to be a pastor. And, you know, stupid me, I didn't go and tell him. I just thought the Lord was having a nice little conversation with me. And I just let that one go sing. And maybe that's what that young man needed to hear. You never know what somebody's going through. We live... We live in the eternal. It's such a great reward. No matter what it is you're going through, people, whatever, do know this. You've heard it a thousand times. This too shall pass. 
one of my favorite sermons I ever heard when we were about three years old in the Lord. No, not even a year old. It was Brother Evans. Pastor May left. Brother Evans filled in, old guy. He was probably about 75 years old. And when he preached, I just sat there. The Lord hadn't really called me to, to preach just yet. And I'm sitting there, and I'm watching him preach. And one of the things he said was, this too shall pass. It was like, wow. Hit me like a ton of bricks, just one word. It didn't matter what else he said. It was just that. You know, when you see someone and you speak a word, you don't have to dress it up. You don't have to make it work. You, you just speak it because God has prepared their heart for it. And he's given you all it takes. All it takes is just one word sometimes. Sometimes it's just you're noticing, and, and all of a sudden the kingdom of God is just invading their life with the supernatural, and they're going, Whew. It's like Paul talking to the Corinthians. They will say, they will say, God is in this place. Would you stand with me? Pastor Mike has given me the privilege of speaking next week as well. So if I don't see you next week, you'll, you'll know. Uh, I've already told you. I've already warned you. I hope to see you. I'm just kidding. You know that. I love humor. I carry my day with humor. I live in a pretty rough and work in a pretty rough environment in my job, and I carry, I carry that whole company with humor. People need a grin. People need a chuckle. And they need us to have our head lifted high and walking straight and not bent over. I want to speak to you next week about being a stirred-up people and what God has to say about that pretty cool stuff, but then there's the flip side. It's like, oh. Father, I want to thank you for your word. I pray, Lord, it sinks deep. I pray, Lord, that you cause questions to arise out of it, Lord, so that there may be answers that weren't there before. So I want to thank you, Lord, for your goodness. I want to thank you for the inquiring. I want to thank you for the blessing, the revelation. God, you were, ah, being with your people today has been awesome. Father, your blessing be upon each and every one. God, I pray that this uh, winter drive home, Lord, would be a safe one. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you as you go today.